Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. If everyone outside of the room, if everyone is born broken and sinful and the world and the universe is fractured, the DNA of the universe is fractured so that we are all sinners, we are all sinful people, then not only are we all sinners, but every institution on earth is run by brokenness it is run by sinful man it is run by broken people i will probably disappoint you but there is one that will never disappoint you there is one that will never fail you there is only one messiah just one who is good who is right who will never fail you so he's saying Be careful how you see the world. Learn to see it eternally and not temporary because in the end, God will judge. Amen. I love being on this journey and knowing that we are living in the last days. You know, some people get a little fearful when they hear that. But I'm thankful that I don't have to walk around in fear hearing that we're living in the last days. Amen? Amen. Amen. But I'm glad I can live each day with heaven on my mind, knowing that we're oh so close to those pearly gates being open. Sister Rice, I'll take that water. Thank you. Amen. Amen. While you're standing, Ecclesiastes chapter 8, if you would turn there with me. Some of you are like, now wait a minute, he was in Ecclesiastes a couple weeks ago. (laughs) We are back. Ecclesiastes chapter 8. It was such a good time last time. Let's just revisit it uh, again. Ecclesiastes chapter 8. We'll start reading at verse number 1 here. Bible says, who is as the wise man and who knoweth the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom maketh his face to shine and the boldness of his face shall be changed. I counsel thee to keep the king's commandment and that in regard of the oath of God, be not hasty to go out of his sight, stand not in an evil thing for he doeth whatsoever pleaseth him. Where the word of a king is, there is power and who may say unto him, what doest thou? Whoso keepeth the commandment shall feel no evil thing, and a wise man's heart discerneth both time and judgment. Because to every purpose there is time and judgment, therefore the misery of a man is great upon him. For he knoweth not that which shall be, for who can tell him when it shall be? There is no man that hath power over the spirit to retain the spirit, neither hath he power in the day of death. And there is no discharge in that war." Neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it. All this have I seen and applied my heart unto every work that is done under the sun. There is a time wherein one man ruleth over another to his own heart. And so I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of the holy. And they were forgotten in the city where they had, done, had so done. This is also vanity." Amen. I want to talk to you just for the next little bit on this thought. 
life in a fallen world. Life in a fallen world. And I'm going to ask you, would you help me pray? Last week, whenever I was speaking, uh, my vocal cords were attacked, <laughs> and I had nothing. It was almost like nothing it was coming out. I was going to ask you to just pray for me right now and just pray that the Lord would have his way. Would you help me do that right now? Lord, we love you. God, we're thankful for the opportunity to be in your house. God, what a privilege and honor it is. We ask you right now, Jesus, to bless our service today, God. I pray that you would open up our ears, God, of understanding. God, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts today. Pray for your anointing to be released in this place. We give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You may be seated today. Life in a fallen world. Do you ever remember a time that you thought that it was possible to outsmart your parents? Like you literally thought that it was possible to be, to be smarter than them, to know something that they weren't aware of. I was uh, getting my hair cut the other day and Barber was venting to me about his daughter and and some of the schoolwork that she is going through um, and then trying to basically in a roundabout way, you know, say, I know more than you know. And he said, and he goes, I just had a hard heart talk to her, just looked her straight in the face, say, look, I'm about 20 years older than you are. I've seen a whole lot more than you've ever seen. So I don't care what this common core is teaching you. I know a little something about life. <laughs> Um, you know, there, there are two main ways to, to see the world that you and I live in. Uh, the first way, and the way that the majority of the people view the world, is that the problems that mankind um, has, uh, those problems are external and not internal problems. That's how the majority of people view the world, that the problems that we have that trouble us, that give us all kinds of frustration that those problems that we have are external and not internal. And so the problems that ail us, the nightmares that we have, the, the issues that haunt us, they are external to us and they can be, uh, they can be solved with, uh, with increased education. They can be solved with increased technology. And so we believe that as we progressively get smarter, as we get more educated about the world around us, we will overcome all that haunts mankind. We think to ourselves that we will solve the diseases. We will get to the place where people don't do crazy things anymore. And if we can't talk you out of it, we can perhaps drug you out of it. And so if you can't sleep, we think, oh, we can get you to sleep. And uh, if you're depressed, we can, we can get you uh, undepressed. And if you have a disease, we'll create a pill that can handle the disease. And we will learn all that there is to know about the human body. And so, uh, so they'll, they'll tell us things like you need to eat this organic leafy spinach and you need to do yoga and if you do those things then you my friend will have a long and healthy life and you will be stress-free 
We think to ourselves, we will, we will learn all that there is to know about the universe, about the cosmos, about the human body, and we will educate ourselves to overcome the great enemies that are, again, external to mankind. And this is a wildly popular view of the world. We don't pray like we should because we can just, oh, we'll just take a Tylenol for that. You've, you've got a headache and, uh, well, what's the answer? It's not asking for anything. It's taking something. It's taking a Tylenol. If we're sick, we'll go to the doctor. And if we're bored, we'll, we'll find entertainment of some sort. We can, we can solve it. We can do it. And then the problems that, have, uh, that mankind has are uh, external to him and not internal. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not up here saying that you shouldn't take medicine and that you shouldn't go to a doctor or anything like that. But I'm just trying to press upon your mind at, at the uh, uh, at the uh, outset of my message here that that mankind views the world in this way that the problems that mankind has those problems are nothing internal but they are all external now the biblical way and the biblical point of view and what the scriptures say are that the problems that we have are not merely external but they are internal and that the problem that plagues humanity is not found outside of him but it is found inside of him. Yes. The problems that truly ail us. So much so that even if you solve the external problems the inner man will still mess it all up. It's, it's possible. You see, we live in a post-Genesis 2 world. And that means that when the fall of man occurred, it, it fractured everything. The universe was fractured. And from that moment on, all of us are broken. We are a broken society. We are broken humanity. And evil and unrighteousness is not something we learn as we get older, but it is in us from day one. Anyone who pays attention to their children will not argue with that fact. <laughs> we don't teach our children to bite. They just do it. <laughs> I mean, the, literally yesterday, the, the, I heard Mallory, the phrase came out of her mouth, Bennett, do not bite Easton on the cheek. I mean, we don't, we're, not, we're not at home teaching our children how to bite. If you are, please come to the altar this morning. We don't, we don't teach our children to do it. We don't teach them to think that everything is theirs. That's not learned. It is in them. And so we are born broken. We are a broken society. And Jesus comes in and he saves us from that and he sets us all back on the path to Genesis 1 and 2. But I want us to take a step, uh, I want to go a step farther because there's something I want you to think about. If everyone in this room and everyone outside of the room, if everyone is born broken and sinful and the world and the universe is fractured, the DNA of the universe is fractured so that we are all sinners, we are all sinful people, then not only are we all sinners, but every institution on earth is run by brokenness. It is run by sinful man. It is run by broken people. So not only does this mess take place on an individual level, but now we pull them all together and we organize them. Not only are our individuals broken, but even institutions at large are broken. Yeah. 
So this begs the question, how do we then live in a world and interact with a world where everything is tainted and the foundation of everything has been chewed away at by the brokenness of sin in the world? How do we do it? How do we live in this broken, fallen world? Well, this is what our guy Solomon is going to help us out with this morning. Solomon wants to help us in this situation. Ecclesiastes chapter, Ecclesiastes chapter 8, he's going, to, uh, he's going to use government as the institution. But I think you can actually slide in here anything that you want in terms of institutions or even relationships. Starting in verse 1, he says this, Who is like the wise? And who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the hardness of his face is changed. Verse 2, he's going to use government. He says this, I say, keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Now Solomon says this, that we have our hearts that are awakened by the reality of God. And here's the first rule, the first kind of idea of living in a fallen, broken world. Here's what he says. Number one, be careful who you submit to. Be careful who you submit to. Now, there is an element of submission in everyone's life. I don't care who you are, where you come from. You submit to somebody. You submit to some person, some authority. You submit to your boss. If you are married, there is an element of mutual submission that occurs in marriage. Even in friendship at a, at a deep level requires that there, be, uh, uh, that there be submission, that there be even risk-oriented submission for that friendship to survive, for that friendship to thrive. You have to let yourself be known and take the risk of either being betrayed, pummeled, or sinking up. So he's saying here, be careful who you submit to. Be careful who you give power to. Be careful who, who, who you give influence to. He's going to say, be careful who you pair up with. Be careful who you join your life with. Be careful who you marry. Be careful who you're friends with. Be careful who you work with. He's saying, pay attention to what's going on around you. Pay attention to who you're giving influence to in your life. Pay attention of this Absolutely. Right. why why is it such a big deal Bryce why is it such a big deal Solomon to be careful who I'm submitting to to be careful who I'm giving influence to to be careful to giving power to why is that so important well he's going to tell you right out of the gate look at the next two verses verse three he says be not hasty to go from his presence do not take your stand in an evil cause for he who he does whatever he pleases for the word of the king is supreme and who may say to him what are you doing here's what he says be careful who you submit to because once you've submitted to it, you are now a part of it. And it just might be out of your control. And if you're not careful, 
It's possible for you to get carried away from what is right, if not outright be part of something that God calls evil. Be careful who you partner up with. Be careful who you submit to because once you submit to it, you are now a part of it. Be careful you submit to. Be careful the power that you give to someone. Be careful who you give influence to because in the end, you might find yourself a part of what God calls evil, a part of what God calls wicked, a part of something that displeases him. Be careful who you submit to because once you do that, you're a part of an institution or an organization that you don't sit at the top of. You no longer have control. So what he's saying is be careful of these things. Be careful lest you be a part of something that God calls evil. It's possible that you could get caught away in it, sucked into a way of life that's not biblical or right before God, which leads us to the next piece. And this is so important. He's going to say this. He's going to say, hey, be cautious who you pair up with. Be cautious who you give influence to. Be cautious who you link up with to and submit to. And look at verse 5. He says, whoever keeps a command will know no evil thing. And the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. For there is a time and a way for everything, although man's trouble lies heavy on him. Okay, so let's talk this morning. The scriptures will tell you. The scriptures will say that you and I need to know who we are. And we need to know what Christ has asked of us before you ever get started. Know who you are. Know what's expected. Know what Christ expects before you ever get started. So that by knowing in the beginning what Christ has asked of you, the path of right and wrong and, the, and what you'll be involved in and what you won't be involved in are set before there ever comes something up. He says this, know who you are, know what Jesus has asked of you, know what the gospel means in your life so that as you walk through this life, as you walk through a fallen world, the right direction, the right time, the right thing, those things will be known unto you. Church, as you journey on in this Christian walk and as you ask for advice and as you pray with one another and as you submit to the things of God, right and wrong in the direction of life are set because you knew long before you ever started out on this journey, you knew long before the alarm clock ever went off that this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. You knew that this is the day that He has given us and you will rejoice and you'll walk and know that He's given us this day you know that before the day even starts you know that before you take your first step because you know who you are and you know the expectations that Jesus has on your life so this is what this is what he's saying you've got to know who you are you've got to know what Christ has asked of you and what it means to be redeemed and what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ you need to know that before you get started unless you get in a situation that you don't know what to do with he says those who follow the commands of God they know no evil 
deed. They know no evil deed. That's going to lead us into the second idea that is such an important thing, both inside the church and as well as outside the church. We'll start with outside the church, starting in verse 7. He says this, For he does not know what is to be. For who can tell him how it will be? No man has power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. There is no discharge from war nor wickedness deliver those who are given to it. So, I got to be careful who I submit to. I got to be careful who I give power to. And I got to know who I am before I get started. And here's what he's going to say. And here's what I love about Solomon. He's always going to take it right down to the grittiest level possible. He says this, even if you're careful who you submit to, even if you know exactly who God commanded you to be, if you know those things, he says this, sometimes it's still going to go bad. You're careful who you submit to. You're careful who you give influence to. You're careful of those things. You know who you are. You know you're a follower of Christ. You know where you're headed. And he says this, sometimes it's still going to go bad. And I'm so grateful that he does this. This is the exact opposite of most of what people hear. He's like, hey, listen, do what you know is right. Submit and be obedient to Christ. Be careful who you link up with. But in the end, it's a lot like war. Encouraging, right? And here's what he means. When the military trains soldiers, they'll go through the the programs. They'll go through procedures and processes and and what to do when this happens and what to do when that happens. And, and, And you need to keep your head down and you need to swing your gun around like this and you need to enter a room like this and you need to do this and you need to watch this and they'll train them. And if that soldier follows every piece of training, I ask you this, do all soldiers make it home alive? Is it possible that a young man could do everything he was trained to do and still get killed? Absolutely. And this is what he's talking about when he says, hey man, no man controls the power of life and death. No man can decide to retain his own spirit. In the end, he says this, be obedient to God and trust that he is in control. And then he moves on to the next idea, verse 9. He says, all this I observe while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun. When man had power over man to his hurt, then I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in and out of the holy place and were praised in the city where they had done such things. This also is vanity. And here's what he's saying. Just as quick as I can hit this one, I want to move on. But he's saying this. He's saying, don't be naive. Your heroes are sinful men too. Your heroes are sinful men too. I mean, they are brilliant, unreal men who are heroes. I have heroes. 
I have people that I look up to. I have people that I long to be like, and I know we're not supposed to do that or anything, but there are men that I love to listen to preach. There are men that I like to go to and ask for advice. There are men that I like to seek counsel, but in the end, the things that they have accomplished and the people that they are, that is due to the gracious power and work of Jesus Christ that is in them. Brother Rice said it a few weeks ago. We don't worship uh, uh, the man of God, but we worship and serve the God of the man. We have to get into the habit of praising God for what he does in men instead of praising men. Because here's what we've done. We've, we've created kind of this, uh, this Christian Hollywood that's built around large church pastors who are dynamic communicators. And so we build this ideology around them and we exalt the man and put them on a pedestal. And here's the problem. They are doomed to disappoint us. So then what you have here. And I'm talking about Christian culture. What you end up getting then is a plethora of how-to books built upon man's experiences rather than the sufficiency of the scriptures. And churches boil down to a let me tell you how it works process built upon men's personalities rather than the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Church, let me break it down to you for just a little bit. There will most likely come a time where I will disappoint you. And some of you, I know what you're thinking, Bryce, that is impossible. (laughs) That is impossible. (laughs) But it's the truth. You may have expectations of me that might be impossible to fill. And so in that regard, I will disappoint you. I will probably disappoint you, but there is one that will never disappoint you. There is one that will never fail you. There is only one Messiah, just one, who is good, who is right, who will never fail you. You build yourselves around people and you will eventually find yourselves heartbroken. But church, if you build yourself around a living relationship with Jesus Christ and him alone, you will find complete satisfaction. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord today? So how do we live? How do we function in a fallen world? Verse 11, he says, this also is vanity because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily. The heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God because they fear before him. But it will not be well with the wicked, neither will he prolong his days like a shadow because he does not fear before God. There is a vanity that takes place on earth and there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked. And there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I said that this also is vanity. Okay, I ask you, have you noticed this? Have you noticed something here? Because what he's saying, he's saying that there's things that happens here that you should absolutely see. 
He says there are some things that seem to be meant for the wicked that the righteousness endure. And then the gifts that should come to the righteous, that's what the wicked gets. Have you ever noticed that before? Do you notice that in this life? And so here's what he says. He says, sometimes wickedness will happen a hundred times before God ever gets involved. Church, be careful how you see the world. Be careful how you see it. Here's his advice. He says, you're going to see someone at work. You're going to see someone at home. You're going to see someone at the job. You're going to see someone do something unrighteousness and do what you do. Uh, and, and do you know that you think to yourself, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to them? Those that have done unrighteousness, those that have done wicked, those that have done evil. You know what's going to happen sometimes? Nothing. 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 In fact, they're going to gain from it. They're going to get some money, and they're going to get some more friends because let's be honest, friends accompany money. Hello. Friends accompany money. And they're going to do something else that the Scriptures call wicked, that God would call wicked, and they're going to get rewarded. They're going to get new cars, and they're going to get bigger houses, and they're going to get more friends, and they're going to get this membership at this place, and they're going to do something wicked, and they're going to continually do wickedness. And as they do, you'll only see what appears to be good things occur, and you will see a righteous man do what is right before God, and maybe he goes broke. Be careful how you see the world. And I know that's not the popular church story. And so he's saying, be careful how you see the world. Learn to see it eternally and not temporary. Because in the end, God will judge. So don't be deceived. Don't buy into this, oh, wickedness doesn't cost me anything. Don't buy into what you see, church, what you judge as success. Be careful of those things. Be careful how you see the world. Be careful what you call a success. Don't ever think that sin doesn't have a carrying cost anymore. Be careful because God will judge. One more bit of advice that he has for us. Verse 15. He says, And I commend joy, for man has no good things under the sun, but to eat and drink and be joyful, for this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the busyness that is done in, on earth, how neither day nor night do one's eyes see sleep? Then I saw all the work of God. That man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. This is a great text. It's hard. But it's... A, it's a great text. And here's what he says. Once you have been careful who you submit to, 
have learned from the beginning what God has commanded of us. Once you have created, excuse me, not created anyone as preeminent but Christ alone, and we have done all that Christ has asked us to do, once we have forgiven, once we have asked for forgiveness, once we've prayed, we've laid it all down at the feet of Christ, we have fought off the root of bitterness, we have done all that He has asked us to do. He says this, after you've done all those things, He says this, call your friends, go to dinner, laugh, enjoy life. He says, because what else can you do? It's all in His hands. What else can you do? So how do we live in a fallen world? He sums it up in these last five verses. Submit to the truth of God and the gospel of Christ. Be obedient to His commands. And when you've done all that He's asked, you can enjoy and laugh because the rest is in His hands. But we have to do our part. We have to submit. We have to obey. We have to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. The voice of God in our lives that He said is continually, He's continually knocking at the door. As you stand with me this morning, I want to ask you some questions. Because here's the deal, it doesn't do us any good to hear Scripture but not know how to apply it. It doesn't do any good to cognitively grasp some concepts from the Bible. But church, we need God to speak into our lives. We need to hear the voice of God and let Him speak into our hearts. So I want to ask you, Are you and do you have an area of your life right now that you feel is weighty, is hard, keeps you up at night? It could be a situation at work, maybe a situation at home, maybe a situation with some friends. Do you have a relationship that's fractured? You have some weight, some pressure, something on your heart, on your mind right now. Do you have decisions that are being made that are pulling against what you know is right? And let me ask you another set of questions. Have you done all that Christ has asked of you? Have you been obedient to all that He has required? Have you asked for forgiveness? Have you owned what you're responsible for? Have you fought off a root of bitterness? Have you prayed? 
Have you laid at His feet? Have you done what is required of you biblically, spiritually? Have you done what He has asked of you? And listen to me. Because this is what the enemy will do. He'll try to come in and get you to say some things, say some things like, yeah, but, but they. I'm asking you right now, would you just block that out of your mind, that statement, yeah, but they. You need to get that out of your head because that's not what we're talking about here. We're not assessing blame or putting blame on anyone. We're asking the question, have I? Have I done what he has asked of me? And church, if the answer is no, if the answer is no, Bryce, I, I haven't done this. I haven't done what he's asked of me. I haven't done this and I know what he wants. Well, then we know what the rest of the day looks like for that person. I submit to you today that at some point you have to make things right. You got to get to the place where we are obedient to the commands of God. And if you're in here this morning and the answer to those questions is yes, I have done everything that the scriptures have asked of me that God has asked of me, then I'm here to tell you today, just enjoy life. Just keep walking and trust Him because it's all in His hands. Would you bow your head, close your eyes in this place as they begin to sing? I would just ask you right now, would you just have a, a few moments here in prayer where you just are completely open and honest with the Lord? Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. If you are ever in our area, our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.